So today, I'm um, going to be talking about Jesus in the wilderness. And uh, from what's already been said this morning, it sounds like that there are people here that are going through some pretty difficult times. So if we didn't preach, then you've already had a word, you've already been uh, prayed for, and, and God is doing something. But this just kind of ties in with what's already been said, which is a relief for me, because normally when I'm preparing to preach, it normally gets to a, a week before, probably at the most, and then God will say something, and I go, oh, right, okay, that's what I'm I'm going to go on. Whereas this time I didn't really get any sort of word from God. So I thought, well, okay, I'm just going to open the Bible somewhere and see what happens. And it opened at Matthew 4 and I closed it up again. I didn't fancy that one. So I thought I'd open it up again. And it was Matthew 4 again, closed it up, opened it up, Matthew 4 again. So I thought, well, okay, let's try a different approach to this. Let's have a look at the scripture, the passage, and see what God has got to say. So, I'm hoping that you will get something from this, particularly with uh, where people are at, it would sound. Um, so, uh, if you've got a Bible, Matthew chapter 4, and we're going uh, really 1 to 11, but we're starting in Matthew 3, verse 17. So, I'll crack on and read as you're turning to it, and those in the Amplified Version, we'll, we'll see how you get on. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Then when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in your hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only. You shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Just wanted to draw some parallels between Matthew 4 and Deuteronomy 8. So if you wanted to do a bit of a further look into this, Matthew, uh, sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 to 3. There are some remarkable uh, similarities here. First of all, it says, The Lord your God led you. Forty years in the wilderness, forty days in the wilderness for Jesus, to humble you and test you. This is God talking to the Israelite nation. This is God uh, kind of summarising what had taken place. To know what is in your heart, to humble you and test you, to know whether you would keep his commands or not, allowed you to hunger. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by... uh, But every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord, sorry, spelling error there, uh, through me. 
So in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, God says, This is my son. He announces that this is his son. The good and faithful servant. The Israelites had the test in the wilderness for 40 years and they failed. But Jesus passed the test. Where man failed, Jesus succeeded. When we feel like the biggest failures in the world, God says, he has done enough. Let's just stop there for a moment. We mess up time and time again. We struggle with our walk with Jesus. We struggle with life in general. And yet God says, he is enough. He is our provision. He is our provider. He is our sustainer. He is the one who lifts us up. He is the one who gives us words to speak. He's the one who gives us very breath, very life itself. God is everything that we need. Which ties in with 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels or motives of the heart. Then each one will praise coming from God. And that ties in, sorry I've jumped a bit. That ties in where it says we, we, we do fail time and time again. We mess up but as long as we stay the course run the race and finish, and use the talents what God has given us, God will say, well done, God, a good and faithful servant. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5, as I said, then each one's praise will come from God. That is what we're working towards. That is what we're running this race for, to one day stand before our creator, our maker. For him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But it doesn't say in Matthew, it's not good and hard-working servant, but good and faithful. Not burnt out, not trying to do everything, but being faithful in the word, being faithful in the spoken thing that God ask us to do, the very direction and turning and every step of our journey, whether it's this way or that way, whether God says, no, stop, whether God says, now continue, whether God says, wait, whether God says, I'm going to take you through a wilderness experience, whether God says, I'm going to take you to the mountaintop, it's about being faithful in that direction, wherever God takes us, it's not about being busy. If it's about our works, we would fail. And we would be expecting a reward based on our efforts. But God has done it all. It's God's grace and mercy, gifts, power, word and spirit that sees us through the difficult times. And God's there speaking from heaven. It says the heavens opened and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Incredible. Imagine that. God announcing the identity of Jesus. God announces through his word the identity of his people. Allow me to take a moment just to read a list that I produced years ago. I don't have the scriptural references for them, so I do apologise. But here we go. 
We are in Christ, a chosen people. We're a holy nation. We are sons and daughters, we're children. We are righteous. We are gifted by him. We are alive in him. Forgiven. Therefore free. We are salt and light. Strong. Wise. Changing from glory to glory. That's exciting. We're pilgrims. We are fearless. We are his bride. We are saints. A royal priesthood. A people belonging to God. The Bible says we're kings as well as priests. Blessed. Ambassadors. We are saved. We are rich. Filled with the Holy Spirit. We are redeemed. Sheltered. Anointed. Christ-like, even when we don't feel like it. Aliens to this world. The body of Christ. Hope carriers. And friends. We're friends of God. We're friends of God. Almighty creator that is enormous, that is mega, he's big, he's huge. He's God. We can't even get it into our heads because our heads, our brains are so tiny compared to the awesomeness of God. But yet, God Almighty is our friend. How awesome is that? You know, if we said nothing more this morning just to try and get our heads around that, we would be here a very long time just trying to fathom the fact that God is our friend. But the announcement comes... The voice from heaven was for the crowd. The Holy Spirit was for Jesus. Jesus already knew who he was. He didn't need necessarily to be reminded about who he was. The announcement was for the crowd. This is, have a look over here, this is my son. Before he does anything, I am already well pleased with him. Father God announces who Jesus is. He's going public, affirming Jesus' identity and authority. Before the wilderness testing, the Father says to the Son, He is well pleased. Before we prove ourselves, for those particularly who are going through the wilderness, for those who are struggling, before we prove ourselves, God is already, already well pleased with you he smiles at you he loves you he calls you friend even when the world seems to be falling apart even when it seems to be the wilderness experience where nothing is going right it's so barren it's so lonely help 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 your heart cries but God is by your side and promised never leave you Because he sees us through the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice that's already been made. We are already pre-approved. Our names are written in the book of life. Even if a thunderbolt, uh, an earthquake or something, we, we kind of just disappeared off the face of the earth right now. God's done it all already. We haven't now got to go from here and get up from our seats and leave church and try and sort our lives out. 
It's not about what we can do. It's not about getting ourselves to a point where we are now acceptable. We are, if we have accepted Christ, pre-approved. Our names are in the book of life. The test is for us to learn to rely on God. Not for God to find out if we're ready. So if you're going through the wilderness, God's not trying to work out whether you're ready for the next step. He's giving you this experience so that you can go through it, that you can learn that you need to rely on God. And this is the very place where you will get that. That experience of abandoning all else and turning your attention fully to God and saying, help. But what we want to do is take the shortcuts But we need the test. It's in the test that we grow. We want to jump straight in. When God gives you a calling, the test will follow. When God gives you a promise, it seems that the devil is trying to rob it away. It's the test. God has given you a word. He's given you a promise. He's given you a calling. He's calling to something. And it could be absolutely phenomenal and so beyond what you're ready for. But God wants to take you through that wilderness experience, that testing experience, for you, not for him, because he knows the end of the story. It's for you. It's for you to go, yes, in him I can do this, or actually, no, I'm going to take an option and I'm going to go with the easy route. It's for you. It's not for God. Now, when God changes your rank... He changes your perspective. So imagine you're a soldier, a soldier of Christ. And he changes your rank. He changes your level, if you like. Somebody said once, uh, at a different level, for every level, there's a, there's a different devil. Okay? I don't know whether that's biblical. But uh, for every level, there's, a, there's another devil or a different devil. A difficult or more challenging experience. So the more you kind of... Uh, step out for God the more you're going to come up maybe against opposition and so the more you do for God in his kingdom the more the, ki- the, the, the enemy is not going to like it and so the more the enemy is going to try to resist what you're doing but when we, so we, when we change our rank we change our position we move on we move up it changes our perspective it changes our position on the battlefield Your responsibility for the lives of more soldiers is now at stake. The decisions that you make matter more. You have to know the plan. You have to know the strategy. You can't just go off and do your own thing. Thinking what you know is right and it feels good and it's loosely biblical. Jesus was in the wilderness. He he said he was led by the Spirit. Doesn't feel like a very woolly Christian experience to go through a wilderness. We think that becoming a Christian, it sort of all becomes rosy and great, but it actually doesn't. And so God wants to refine us through times of fire. He wants to prune off sometimes. And he wants to kind of get rid of the stuff that only really happens in those wilderness experiences, in those challenges and difficulties, where the things that we thought mattered no longer matter. To more who is given, more will be asked of him or her. Matthew 25, 15. That's the story of the talents. The greater the responsibility, the more account you must give. That's from Matthew 13, 17. Jesus was about to enter the arena of his life. 
But the test was required first. The arena was his ministry. The testing was the wilderness. But it wasn't to test whether Jesus was good enough. I don't think that the testing was to see whether Jesus could make it or not. It was a story for us. It's a story, an illustration, because remember, there wasn't anybody with him. He was in the wilderness alone. There wasn't scribes going along and making an account. So at some point, somehow, Jesus must have relayed this story, I guess, somehow. And so it's for the people that he's passing this story on to. It was the same for Daniel, Moses, Peter, Gideon, different accounts, different stories of people who had challenges, difficulties to start with before they went into what they were called to do. So we might have received a prophecy, a word or a sense of calling, but that doesn't mean you should act on that immediately. We sort of sometimes demand our position. Well, God said this about me and therefore I want to demand my position. That's not how it works. Because the testing comes first. And it's in that testing we discover whether we can do it or not. And if we just launched out into whatever it was, without the testing, without the difficulty, without the challenge, without the wilderness, we would fail. We would fall miserably. Christians often assume that they must start now, the moment they get the word. And if you've been given a word, and you've not seen the fulfilment of that yet, don't get frustrated. Because there's a time, there's a season. So even though you was told maybe, I don't know, 12 years ago that you were going to be a worship leader or a prophet or um, a teacher, whatever it might be, don't get frustrated that you've not seen it come to fruition yet. Just because God gave you well 12 years ago doesn't mean you should have been a teacher or a prophet or a worship leader or whatever else 12 years ago. Because God speaks to us and he gives us something but it not, might not come to fruition till years down the line. But be patient. What are you learning in that time? What are you learning when it feels like you're just sick of waiting and it's hard and it's lonely and it's barren and there doesn't seem to be much fruit? What am I learning? What am I relying on? Am I forcing this? Am I trying to make this work myself? Or am I turning to the word of God? Am I relying on him? Am I trusting him? Is, my, is he my anchor? So it was a time of testing. See, it says that Jesus was tempted, but tempting doesn't really do it justice as such. Although, yes, the devil came and did tempt, but it was a time of testing. So tempting only goes part way to explain what was happening. Tested, perhaps, would be better in that, uh, as this was a preparation in private that would launch Jesus into public ministry. You had to do that thing in the private and almost kind of, for us, it would be getting ourselves right before God. It would be as uh, allowing God to, to shave off those things that shouldn't be in our lives and to sort those things out. So we do that in the private before God launches us into the public. The testing of preparation is often in private, long before God launches into public. I've just said that. God examines. I'm on track then, aren't I? When we know it's that's good. We're doing all right. God examines our hearts and shows us what we are made of before uh, raising our game. So during an exam, during a test, when we sit down to do our test, and we've got our pen, and we've got a pencil, and maybe a ruler, or if it's maths, we might have a scientific calculator. We sit there, and during that test, what's inside us comes out. What we have learnt comes out. Our discipleship in a time of testing comes out. Our source, 
our inspiration, our dependency. Where does that come from? Well, if it's in God, that's what comes out in the testing. If we're always relying on ourselves, then in that testing, what comes out is ourselves, our own personal frustrations, our own trying to sort it out for ourselves. In the test, we prove we're ready or not. It's not to God, but to ourselves, the enemy and those around us. It's interesting that Jesus went into the wilderness alone. So think about this for a moment. Jesus is at the Jordan, the river. He gets baptised by John the Baptist. There's a big crowd there. There's an announcement from heaven. Why would the crowd... Why, why wouldn't they go off and follow Jesus? Why would they stay with John the Baptist, this, this prophet, this guy talking in the wilderness, baptising... But why wouldn't they follow Jesus? If it was me and I'm stood there and I've been listening to John the Baptist and John the Baptist says he's not even good enough to tie up or untie the laces of Jesus who's now on the scene as a massive voice from heaven and the Holy Spirit comes down and it's really exciting and amazing. Whoa, this is something serious taking place. This is something to stop and take notice of. And yet they don't follow Jesus into the wilderness. And what I would say to you this morning is that in the wilderness experience, people don't want to follow you. It's barren. It's lonely. Imagine that. You're all alone for that amount of time. Nobody to turn to. Nobody to grumble to. Nobody to offload your complaint to. Nobody to tell how difficult your situation is. It's hard. You feel alone. You feel desperate. This was the, the testing. This is the testing for us when we go through this. When you are going through the situation that you're going through now, God wants to see, he wants to let's see, that you see what comes out of you. So you go, ah, do you know what? I've been struggling for some time now, and actually the only thing that's been coming out of my mouth is complaining and grumbling and bitching. I need to change what comes out of me. Which means I need to change what comes into me. Because what comes into me, what I feed on, is what comes out. And if I'm feeding on God, if I'm feeding on his word, then in the most desperate situations, the most desperate, lonely, barren times, what's in me comes out. In Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren suggests that the 40 days in the wilderness is a preparation. God prepares you in the wilderness. He's getting you ready. Whatever you're going through now, please don't ever think that this is it, that this is life and it's as good as it gets. Because whatever you're going through, it's a preparation for you for the next thing that God is doing to you, or doing with you, or doing through you. Don't despise anything. Don't look at other people around you and say, well, they've got this and they've got that, so they must be blessed. Got a little debate on uh, Facebook on Friday evening. But what's interesting is that we can look around at the people who seem to have everything. Those who aren't Christians who seem to be prospering. Those who aren't Christians, those who are Christians. Hey, it doesn't matter. Because for me, life seems to be really struggling. Life seems to be in a wilderness. But let me tell you something. You are blessed. 
just because you're in the wilderness, just because you're alone right now, just because it's barren and it's fruitless, you are not alone. It doesn't mean you're not blessed. It doesn't mean that you are cursed. Because sometimes we look at something and say, well, they're blessed, but they've got that. So if they're blessed with that, that must mean I'm cursed. Please don't ever go away from this building today thinking that you are cursed because you're going through a difficult situation. The chances are you're probably even more blessed because God's got a bigger arena for you, a bigger battlefield for you to enter, and he has got something for you, church. And you just need to stay the course. Run the race. Authenticity comes when you are not seeking an audience. This is a point of isolation where Jesus didn't have anybody around. He, didn't, he wasn't able to show off his powers. He wasn't able to show off his authority or anything like that. Authenticity comes when you are not seeking an audience. Dave Gilpin from Hope City Church, Sheffield, said this. Popularity, did I say that right? Popularity kills authenticity. That's why the strongest voices arise out of isolation. Your current isolation is happening so that you can find your voice. When you find your voice, you begin your influence. Large or small, it's more than when you were an echo. If you are merely quoting others, it's just an echo. It's not authentic and lacks vision for you and those around you. Don't tell me other people's stories. What is God doing in and through you? If we spend all of our life just telling stories about what other people have done, that's a shame. It's a sadness. And We had a friend who... um, Absolutely great bloke, really, really good bloke. But he'd often share really good stories. He was a great storyteller. I love me in stitches. He'd tell me some really good stories, and he'd tell me stories about what God has done. And it dawned on me one day, every single story he told was about somebody else. It was never about him and what God's doing in him and through him. It was just an echo of other situations, other people's lives. And that's a shame. I would love it, like we do on Sunday mornings, if we've always got a story of what God is doing, of what God has done through our lives, what God has said to us this week, how God has changed us. That would be absolutely incredible. Now the devil's plan was basically, his mission was to destroy Jesus' mission. If Jesus' mission in the wilderness had failed, he wouldn't be the spotless lamb. He would have sinned. He would then no longer be the spotless lamb that goes to the cross to die in our place. He would have failed. He wouldn't have relied on God. And to not rely on God is a sin. God uses the devil to prepare his son. He's almost like playing the devil. And the devil has no idea. It's like when it comes to Jesus' crucifixion. And the, the, you kind of read the, the devil's input into that when he's trying to persuade him otherwise. And, you know, and God's playing the whole situation. God plays the devil. And the devil thinks he's got free reign for a time and he can do this and he can come along and try and tempt Jesus in the wilderness. But God knows exactly what he's doing. The, the devil offers Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, everything, without having to go to the cross. Now that's temptation. 
actually, do you know what? You don't have to go through that difficulty. You can have it all. You can have all these kingdoms. And we can be kind of tempting ourselves to say, well, I can change my circumstances. I am a child of God. I am blessed. This doesn't, like bless- this doesn't look like blessing. So I'm going to change it. We demand, we pray, we work towards changing stuff in our own strength. But we should ask for wisdom to know whether the situation we're in is our stupidity that got us into it. Is it the wilderness test? Is it demonic? Or is it just life? And we should ask God for wisdom. Because he said if anybody lacks wisdom, ask for it. To know what and to determine, disturb, I can't say the word, to figure out whether it is God, whether it's a wilderness experience, whether it's demonic, whether it's just life. And if you're not sure, talk to people around you about it. If Jesus had used his own resources and gone, do you know what, I can turn uh, stones into bread, he would have failed. If he did jump off the temple, he would have failed. If he went, do you know what, I'll, I'll have those, those kingdoms, he would have failed. We must rely completely on him, his spirit and his word. When we see Jesus in the wilderness and the devil comes, he sows seeds of doubt. And what did Jesus use? The word. And this is why I think the story is for us. Because he used the one thing that we have at our disposal. The one thing that we can use is the word. See, what we try and do sometimes, perhaps, is negotiate. Jesus didn't negotiate with the devil. They didn't get into wordplay. You see, there was, um, uh, Jesus quoted Psalm 91. Yet, Jesus didn't go, well, actually, it means this, and didn't go off and show him cross-references of different scriptures. He didn't enter into that sort of battle. He just refuted the devil with the word. And that's what we have got. That's what we should use. We shouldn't say, it's not fair, this doesn't feel right, and come up with a load of excuses or loads of reasons why we should change the situation. But whatever we're going through in the wilderness, whatever that is for you, you have the Word of God. And this is what's so beautiful about the Gospel. It's that it's so simple, and it sounds so Sunday school, and it sounds so undeep that it doesn't sound almost good enough to preach on. But it's this, the word, prayer, spirit. That's it. We come back to our foundations, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We come back to what we know. The gimmicks don't work. The slogans don't work. When all those things we have tried, the trends in churches, all the stuff that we think uh, sound good, look good, when we go through the wilderness, we suddenly realise that those things no longer make a difference. So we're not competing against the church down the road or the, the church in Australia or the church in America. We're not trying to compete with other Christians because we've all got our own battles, our own times of going through a wilderness that we want to embrace and take on. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, full stop. Then it says the devil tempted. Doesn't necessarily mean the devil came at the end, because if you look at Luke 4, it looks like he was tempted throughout. So perhaps even the hunger itself was the temptation. So whatever you're going through, whether you feel like you've got an absolute onslaught, 
or you just feel that life is doing you a really hard deal right now, just know this, that God is with you, God will carry you, God will see you through, remain faithful in all of that, trust on him, trust in his word. The moment life starts getting more difficult, don't go, do you know what, I'm throwing a towel in, I can't do this, this is really hard, or go back to default. Because we often do, don't we? We, we kind of feel like we're on an elastic band and we go so far, we feel pretty spiritual, we feel like life's going pretty good and it seems like life pulls us back or situations pull us back and where we find ourselves is default. And when we find ourselves in that place, listen to the words that come out of our mouth. Think about the, the feelings that we have, the emotions that are stirred. Are they reliable? Are they the things that we can go... Yes, this is based on the word of God. Or we go, actually, no, this is just kind of me spitballing or me complaining or me grumbling or me kicking off at God. Because that's one of the first places we go, isn't it? Oh, God, why? Jesus never said once, oh, God, why are you putting me through this? He knew what lay before him. And that's exciting. It's exciting to know that Jesus almost sets out this pattern, this, this, uh, this story of what took place before he even began to raise the dead, heal the sick. But that's what came. So please, today, whatever situation you're going through, however tough and difficult it is, think about the next level. Think about the next arena, the next battlefield. Think about the next thing that happens, that takes place, what you, the potential that lies within you because you're full of the Holy Spirit. Think about what the Holy Spirit is leading you through and into. Because remember, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we go into a difficult situation and say, this can't be God. No way can this be God. God won't do this to me. He loves me. I'm his child. Why could this possibly happen? But the Spirit led Jesus through the wilderness. The Spirit leads us through difficulties, through wilderness, through challenges, through things where he just wants us to realise where is our default, what comes out of us. Do we pass the test? Are we prepared? Are we ready? Are we hungry? Do we want to get to the next level? Do we want, it's not a game, I appreciate that, it's not like you, you pass and you've managed to get through, scrape through with one life left and you get onto the next level and you hope you regenerate with some more lives. It doesn't work like that. But I tell you what, I'm glad I don't have three lives. I'm glad I'm not in a platform game. I'm glad that my life, our lives, our life, our breath, comes from God. Amen. And on a daily basis, we can wake up, we can take a deep breath and know that it's the Spirit that gives us life. Isn't it great? Yeah. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. That you, me, ordinary Joe Bloggs, we're friends with God. Yeah. That God will take us through... God will never leave us in the valley. God will never leave us in the wilderness. But God will take us through. God will see us through to the other side. And oh my word, will it not be absolutely wonderful? Well, I've gone off completely off script. It doesn't matter. I've just sort of opened my mouth and let's see what happens. And uh, let's, let's finish. Let's finish by praying. And uh, if you'd like to stand with me, if you would, please. We are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. 
We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.